so I pulled up an old Charlie Rose interview with Bashar al-Assad. And this is one of the first interviews Assad gave with the Western media. So they sent old Charlie Rose over, the old CIA hack. And uh, that guy should retire. Honestly, he's completely, he's gone senile. Like he doesn't he doesn't really know much. So he's sitting there talking to it's a fascinating interview because because he asks them all these really stupid questions and Assad's just sitting there like totally confused. So he asks him about barrel bombs and Assad says, We don't use barrel bombs and then then Charlie Rose comes back and says, So you're so you're saying you use barrel bombs <laughs> So it's like it's like Charlie Rose doesn't actually listen to the guy person he's interviewing. He just he's an old uh, media safe pair of hands for the CIA or the Council of Foreign Relations and they send him to do all the high profile stuff because he just does exactly as he's told. He's given the questions they say, Charlie, this is what you're going to ask him and then he doesn't veer off that at all. So he's what they call a safe pair of hands in US media. So so I pulled up this and Assad is just basically um, did a brilliant interview Bashar al-Assad, president of Syria, and Charlie Rose just trying to trying to bait him into acknowledging this moderate opposition that that we knew was was a complete fiction, but yet so many people in the U.S. political establishment are still, even to this day, John McCain and Lindsey Graham are still latching on to the f- f- fictional f- mythology of uh, moderate rebels in Syria, like they exist. You know, mo- we need we need to work with moderate Arabs on the ground. You know, Sunnis and blah blah blah. And so, Char- so here's Assad. Listen to this. So Assad basically frames this perfectly. He throws it right back at Charlie Rose, basically saying, "What would you do in the United States if you were faced with a similar scenario?" Go ahead and roll this. This is, uh, this is the Assad Rose interview. Nate, the people. The about people. Turkey. Uh, Turkey, let's say, is about Erdogan, his uh, Muslim Brotherhood uh, fanatics. And doesn't mean that he's a member, but he's a fanatic. President Erdogan is? He's a Muslim Brotherhood fanatic. And uh, he's uh, somebody who's suffering from political megalomania, and you think that he's becoming the Sultan of the new era, of the 21st century. You think he could stop the border if he wanted to? Yeah, of course, definitely. He, he doesn't only ignore the terrorists from coming to Syria, he, he support them logistically and militarily, directly, on daily basis. And if you take the example of Kobani, what you called it Kobani, it's called El Arab, the city where the Kurds were fighting uh, ISIS and where the campaign started, the military campaign, the American military campaign started there. It took them four months to liberate that small city, uh, not only because the airstrikes were cosmetics, as we, as we said, but because of the direct support of the Turks to ISIS. They were supporting them directly? Directly. Directly. You were quoted as saying that the Syrian army could have eliminated ISIS in Kobani in, in three weeks. Actually, similar cities with the same terror and the same size were liberated in a few weeks, yeah, without, without even using the airstrikes. Why have you spent more time attacking Aleppo than Raqqa? Well, we didn't attack Aleppo. We tried to get rid of the terrorists everywhere. But, uh, were the terrorists in Aleppo or were they moderates? In Aleppo? Yes. No, you don't have any moderate militants in Syria. 
No moderate. No moderate. No moderate. Again, go back. Everybody. To so the definition of a terrorist is what? Terrorism. Whenever you hold a gun and kill people and destroy uh, public buildings, destroy uh, private uh, properties, that's terrorism. The so anyone who opposed your government in Syria and used military tactics was a terrorist. With the military tactics. Using or without weapons, using weapons to the, the word opposition everywhere in the world, including your country, is a political opposition. Do you have military opposition in the United States? Would you accept it? But you wouldn't, and we wouldn't. No one accepts military opposition. Oppos uh, military it's one, means it's, it, it's one thing to say there is military opposition; it's another thing to call them terrorists. Military so, opposition is terrorism. Whenever you hold a gun and machine gun and try to destroy and kill and threat. This is terrorism by every uh, definition in the world. It's not my definition. Whenever you want to make opposition, it's going to be political opposition, like your country. Use the same criteria. We don't have different criteria than the one that you have in the United States or Europe or anywhere else. If there's a negotiation, uh, would you accept as part of the negotiation and share power in Syria with anyone who is in opposition to you now, whether they are moderates, whether they are terrorists, but if in fact they lay down their arms and say we want to be part of a future government, a transition government in mm -hmm. Syria. Whenever they lay down their arms, they're not terrorists anymore. Whenever. Any ISIS? ISIS will not. This is, I mean, this is, uh, how to say, virtual. For ISIS to lay down their arms, this is virtual because their ideology, if they want to fight and to be killed and to go to heaven, to go to paradise. That's how we look at it. They won't negotiate anyway. So we don't have to answer something which is virtual, not realistic. The realistic one, that many of the militants lay down their arm and they are working with the government now. This is reality. I'm not talking about what's going to happen in the future. That's happening and that's part of the reconciliations. Some people are interested in politics. They can take that uh, track. And some people are interested only in going back to their normal life and work any, any job, not being part of the politics. Of course we are open. Whenever there's political opposition, we are fully open to deal with them. As you know, Secretary Kerry has called you. Okay, so that was a very important clip I just played you. And I'll tell you why. That was recorded back in March. 2015, you would have thought that was just recorded this week, but no, that was recorded almost a year ago, well, 10 months ago. Okay, the things that Bashar al-Assad, President Assad, told you there was that Turkey was working directly with ISIS, allowing free flow of weapons and uh, terrorists and other things over the border of Syria's northern border, Turkey's southern border. That's all been in the news for the last month. And he said that a year, oh, 10 months ago, and everyone ignored it. Some of us were paying attention, but, but the U.S. media don't put any credence in anything he said. He also said that uh, there are opposition groups laying down their arms and they have a reconciliation process. That was back in March. I just heard about what happened in Homs where the rebels or the militants have left Homs 
disarmed and life has gone back to normal for the first time since this whole thing started. It's not a civil war, folks. It's a conflict. It doesn't fall under the definition of a civil war. With the, with the majority of the militant and fighting forces coming from outside the country. Okay. Reconciliation process. It's been going on for quite a while and totally black, ignored, blacked out by the Western media. Because they don't want you to know about that. They don't want you to hear about that. You think Charlie Rose, is, if he was a real journalist, he would have heard that and he'd be, wow, that's fascinating. Let's talk about that. That sounds like something positive. But you can tell Charlie Rose is just a CIA stooge because he didn't go for any of that. What he wants to do is he's tried to gin up the tension in the interview. If you listen to the whole interview, you can go find that on YouTube. It's extraordinary what he, what he tried to do, manip- how manipulative that old buzzard was who quite frankly should have been sent out to pasture about 10 years ago because he doesn't know half of what's going on around him. He's totally out of it. Who knows what medication Charlie Rose is on? But he's a safe pair of hands, like we said before. He'll never deviate from the party line. That's why he is uh, who he is. That's why he's been squatting his position for 50 years, and there's plenty of young, talented people that could have got a chance to do it. He does, but... They don't. It's all about dynasties in the media. So isn't that amazing? So all of these things Assad said were true. All of them. He's more credible than the U.S. delegation or David Cameron or anything. He's correct. Everything that Washington and London have told us have been lies, has been incorrect, has not come to fruition. So who should I believe? Who should you believe? There's proof that he was ahead of the curve, that what he said was true, and that the U.S. uh, blacked out and the Western media blacked out everything he said, which is all understood to be true today in the latter four days of 2015. That should be enough proof for a reasonable person to understand how sophisticated and relentless the Western propaganda against Syria and how, what a fraudulent enterprise, I've said this before and I'll say it again, it is a, the whole narrative, the Western narrative of Syria is the biggest, most fraudulent political, geopolitical uh, scam of our times. More than Iraq, believe it or not, because that was just a straight up lie. I, I almost prefer the Bush, the Bush Rumsfeld Cheney style, just straight up lying. Just straight up lying and then like prove me wrong or, you know, I'll just go and do my war and then you can prove me wrong 10 years after and whatever. We'll even cop a blame for it, maybe. You know, but it's just straight up lying and then buy off the media to, to, to help sell the lie. So who's the common thread through all of this is the media. It's CNN, it's Fox, it's ABC, CBS, the BBC. <clears throat> and now Al Jazeera is part of the uh, part of the club of selling fraudulent and bogus wars. They are the common thread. The politicians change, but the media keeps selling. So the media is is the main important culprit here. And this is why we call out the media 
in the way we do. Because political parties change, politicians change, but the media is always there. And they're doing the same thing today that they did in 2003. Rearguard action, reconfigure the narrative, sell a new lie, just keep the war effort moving forward. With all of the evidence, with everything obvious, just what we've shown you there, that little clip of that little interview that got buried, okay? Just that should be proof enough. And did you hear what Assad said, which is quite extraordinary? One of the, <laughs> He said that when, when the opposition is armed, Charlie Rose was saying, well, what about the moderates? What about the moderate opposition? How many times have you heard this bogus line? I can't, I can't count how many, it's just, it's endless. We, we keep hearing it from either that crackpot John McCain or his, uh, his, his page boy Lindsey Graham. The moderate rebels, the moderate opposition. And, and Assad says to Charlie Rose, if they're armed opposition, they're not moderate. The minute you take up arms and you start shooting police, you start uh, uh, killing soldiers with arms, with very sophisticated weapons, okay? This is not uh, homemade bottle rockets here, okay? This is U.S. tow missiles supplied by the Pentagon. This is pallets full of shrink-wrapped cash from Saudi Arabia or Qatar, in some cases, state-of-the-art weaponry for the so-called free Syrian army. Or they're, they're even counting the jihadist groups now as, as, as rebel groups in the U.S. media. I think a rebel commander was from Ashal, I forgot his name, something, Al-Islam is the name of the group, and they're trying to say it's a, he's a moderate rebel, right? And so Assad says, it's the same in your country as in our country. You have political opposition, and then if they're armed, they're not oppositions, they're terrorists. And that's exactly how armed opposition is treated in the United States or any other country. As, as, am, I, am I wrong? Domestic terrorists. On the simplest level. And we're not talking about farmers defending their land from federal agents trying to steal it. No, 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 no. This is something else going on in Syria, okay? Imagine in the U.S. Let, 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 let's see how, if the shoe fits on the other foot. Imagine the United States. Imagine, let's, let's do, I'll do a little Philip K. Dick, man in the high castle sort of scenario for you here. For those of you who've read that book, you'll know what I'm talking about. So we use our imagination a little bit. I don't have any notes in front of me. I'm just uh, thinking. I'm just thinking. So imagine if the United States was like Syria. What would our leaders be saying? How would they be justifying their actions? Think about this for a minute. So let's say that this is what's going on in Syria. You have armed opposition groups, endless splinter groups, gangs and counter gangs being armed, funded, trained by foreign military people, 
by with foreign cash and foreign resources from the U.S., from Britain, from France, from Saudi Arabia, and all these people who are creating the problem, who are funding, fueling, arming, training the terrorists, then suddenly come together and, 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 and form a coalition to defeat the terrorists, which they armed, trained, funded, and facilitated. How ludicrous is this? Yet this is what we are seeing. Now imagine if, if let's say, man in the high castle. Let's say, let's say the Germans wanted to overthrow the U.S. government. They wanted regime change in Washington by hook or crook, no matter what. <clears throat> so what did they do? So um, a rich German businessman named George Soros Steen, or someone like this, just a fictional name, I'm just throwing it out there, George or uh, Heinrich Soros Steen, someone like this, uh, uh, pumped billions of dollars into the U.S. to create uh, street protests. Let's call it the American Spring or something like this. And uh, got those. But at the same time, at the same time, the German Secret Service was also uh, sending in weapons and commandos to work with paramilitary cells within the U.S., let's say on the fringes, let's say along the northern border, like Syria, let's say in Montana, in Minnesota, maybe in northern Michigan, uh, let's say some militant groups, maybe in Wisconsin and North Dakota, places like that. How about that? How about that? And let's say the, they, they made an alliance with the British, and because British are German allies, let's say they're all in the EU together, and let's say another British Commonwealth country, Canada, they've done a deal to say the, the, the German commandos and military is going to train all the uh, uh, rebel insurgents in Canada and training camps across the Canadian border. And then they're going to do raids down in the United States and then they'll be able to flee back into Canada because the U.S. can't, can't really pull Canada up by the, uh, by the short and hairies because uh, there's some sort of alliance pact, like a NATO pact between Britain, all the Commonwealth countries, basically. If you attack one Commonwealth country, then it's war. And Germans got a pact with, with the Commonwealth of Britain, too. So imagine if this was a scenario. And all of a sudden, the, uh, and let's say, let's say that they were upset because there was a black president in Washington. Let's say he was a, let's just say for fictional purposes, he was like a black, Muslim president or a black uh, Catholic president or something like that. And so they were just funding all these right-wing, uh, white supremacist, uh, militant paramilitary fighters, training them in Canada, sending them into the U.S. A few Americans mixed in there, but most of them were coming from Europe and other countries, basically. Foreign fighters. Terrorists, basically. And so... So the uh, president of the United States said, "We're going to fight these guys. We're going to we're going to fight them, flush them out, and uh, hundreds of thousands of people, soldiers are killed. U.S. soldiers fighting all these terrorists that have infested all of the northern states, and then they start sending them in through Mexico as well. And the Germans are training these white supremacist terrorists in Mexico and sending them over, and, and they're taking over parts of the Southwest and." the southern states as well. 
setting off bombs everywhere, firing mortars over the Potomac River into Washington, D.C. Now, what's the United States government going to view that as? Are they going to call these moderate rebels? Are they going to, are they going to ask to sit and negotiate with them? Or are they just basically going to deploy every, every possible asset of the military to destroy these insurgents? They're not moderate rebels. At that point, according to U.S. definitions, they're terrorists. And if they're backed by foreign entities and financed by foreign entities and armed by foreign entities, uh, then they're going to want to repel them even more. Why is it any different in Syria? And this proves the total contortion and distortion of reality that you've, if you, if you believe the official narrative coming from either John McCain or whoever, you have been brainwashed. Because I just gave you a perfect illustration of what the shoe would be like on the other foot. So why should the definitions be any different for the U.S. or any other country than for Syria? Why the difference is the scale of the propaganda to brainwash you, to believe the narrative which you're being fed. That is the only difference. The act is the same. The fictional scenario which I've illustrated perfectly represents what is happening in Syria. The only difference is Syria doesn't have a propaganda machine to counter that. But if that happened in the U.S., what if Britain and Germany had a big global propaganda machine and the U.S. didn't? The U.S. would lose the, the, the propaganda war. And that, and that conflict driven by foreign interests would rip the country to pieces. Some might argue this is what happened during the Civil War in the 19th century. This was a foreign instigated, foreign funded, foreign driven insurgency much more organized, maybe much more binary along certain political lines. Maybe there was a genuine secessionist element to the Civil War. Certainly there was. But we're talking about some similar principles here. And there's worth it's worth looking at in a, in a comparative analysis. And it's obvious the conclusions you come to in the end. It's pretty obvious that what we're looking at in Syria, what we're being sold, is a total fraud by Washington, by London, by France. And it's evidenced by how quickly it's disintegrated into nothing. Barrel bombs, barrel. We run that, where's that barrel? We got the barrel. This is Ken Roth, head of Human Rights Watch, a total political organization. This is the barrel bomb remix. Why don't we start with Syria? 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 Assad's barrel bombs. Assad's barrel bombs. Assad's barrel bombs. Assad's barrel bombs. The barrel bombs. The barrel bombs. The barrel bombs. The barrel bomb. The 
barrel bombs are used, what what Assad is doing. The barrel bombs are used, what what Assad is doing. The barrel bombs are used, what what Assad is doing. The barrel bombs are used, what what Assad is doing. Assad is massacring civilians. Assad is massacring civilians. Assad is massacring civilians. Assad is massacring civilians. What what is the, the context? That justifies dropping barrel bombs on civilians. What, what is the, the context that justifies dropping barrel bombs on civilians? What, what is the, the context that justifies dropping barrel bombs on civilians? What, what is the, the context that justifies dropping barrel bombs on civilians? Don't drop barrel bombs on civilians. 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 Oh. Is the government like Assad's? The barrel bombs, the barrel bombs. Is the government like Assad's? The barrel bombs, the barrel bombs. Is the government like Assad's? The barrel bombs, the barrel bombs. Is the government like Assad's? The barrel bombs, the barrel bombs. Why do we start with Syria? Why do we start with Syria? Yeah, so that's that's old Ken Roth. Why do we start with Syria? The barrel bombs, the barrel bombs, the barrel bombs. Why do we start on the barrel bombs? And so this is part of the propaganda campaign uh, waged against Syria by the West, by Human Rights Watch. You see some of the things that guy tweets out. I mean, even I didn't think he tweeted out a fake photograph. He's the head of human. People still quote Human Rights Watch uh, as if there's some sort of an authority. And they've clearly demonstrated here that they are a political tool that's reinforcing a State Department foreign policy directive. Okay. And when Charlie Rose tried to tackle Assad on the barrel bomb issue, it was, it was hilarious how quickly President Assad put him in his place. And, uh, you can go back, listen to that whole interview and it's, it's incredible. But we've been, propaganda works because it's been repeated and it's cascaded through enough different sources. It's not just one source repeating it. It's the fact that it's been uh, successfully deployed across about every major media platform and through the mouths of every politician that's latched onto barrel bombs or chlorine gas. There's another one. Syrian government didn't use chlorine bombs or chlorine gas. Yet that was a piece of propaganda, vicious propaganda, that has been spread for over and over, in fact, not just once, not just twice, like a few times. Uh, and then chemical, then sarin attacks. That was debunked many, many times. How many times do these things have to be debunked to know that they are complete lies? These are lies designed to spur on military interventions, wars, and other sort of continued chaos in the region. And if 2015 brought us anything... It brought us the full disintegration of the lies. This is what we saw. You know, you have to ask yourself, after five years of this conflict in Syria, how could it be possible that the president and the government would still be in power if it was, if they didn't have the hearts and minds of the people in Syria? And yet we sat, we have a command, so-called commander in chief, president, and all his minions that still repeat the same line that Assad has lost all legitimacy with the Syrian people and he cannot be a part of any political solution. 
How many times have you heard that? When in fact, the truth of the matter is this, that right now, Obama, Washington, has lost all political legitimacy with the international community. Because no one believes the lies anymore. Because they've been proven to be lies. And shame on the president for not bothering to look into it himself. If he did, he would have found out the truth. But I think he didn't bother. He trusted Ben Rhodes and all these other people around him that tell him what he wants to hear. It's embarrassing. It is really, really embarrassing to see that much egg on the face of a president in the United States. Or maybe he did know. Maybe he's part of the uh, deception. I don't know. David Cameron tried the same thing, pushing the same lies. David Cameron, head of the United Kingdom, British government, head of the British government, says a month ago, that there's 70,000 moderate rebels <laughs> running around Syria and that we're going to work with them. That was a complete lie. That was bigger than Jack and the Beanstalk. How did he get away with it? He got away with it because he had the backing of a media, a propaganda machine that is so powerful and so immense and so relentless. And guess who has the highest ever approval rating right now in Syria? President Bashar al-Assad, Syrian government. The people back them. So they're going to have to be part of a political solution. Unfortunately for you in Washington, unfortunately for Mr. Holland, and unfortunately for Mr. Cameron, that's a fact. You tried to destroy Syria and you failed. All you did was you brought the people together. And if some people in Syria might tell you this, they might tell you that before this conflict began, that if there was some sort of divide between Shiites and Sunnis because of the conflict fueled and created by the West and the Gulf monarchies, the Sunnis and Shiites in Syria have come together closer than ever. That the sectarian issues are more minimal now than they were before the conflict got started. Think about that. That should make your head spin if you're John McCain. That's the, that's the silver lining to the cloud you created. Okay? And you can't get around that fact no matter how much you whitewash it, no matter how many lies you spin. That is the fact.